Yesterday, we saw Trump win in Iowa. We all knew that this was going to happen, but we were just waiting until the time the primary actually took place. We knew that Vivek would end up dropping out and endorsing Trump because his whole entire campaign was to support Trump and to be there for Trump. That's exactly why Trump got mad at him when he slightly, and I mean slightly, attacked Trump. We're going to be talking about all of that and a lot more on today's episode. Facts over facts over tracks is a mess, spitting slow, spitting fast. I could roast, I could gas, think I'm okay at last, but I don't know if that can erase all the past. So, moving right in, we do have a lot. We have a jam packed show, and I'll tell you that because we actually missed, I believe, yesterday. So, if you did not already know, I mean, not yesterday, but Monday was actually Martin Luther King's birthday. It was actually not that bad on Twitter. Usually on stuff like this, on days like this, there's a lot of things going on all over Twitter. People are trying to say things that never happened or say that he believed certain things that never was. Um, so I was really looking at that. I was seeing what was what misinformation was flowing around. I didn't really see a lot. I didn't really go on Twitter that much because of the fact that I went on a or, or I was supposed to go on a, go on a trip. I wasn't supposed to be here in the studio. I was supposed to be in, in Arizona at the moment. And because of the fact that we have DEI at Delta Airlines, we have DEI at the major airlines in America, this flight was actually delayed upon delayed upon delayed upon delayed until finally we got delayed again. And then until finally we got delayed again and then canceled. So thank you so much, DEI. You are a lifesaver, honestly, because if if it was not for DEI, I would have been on time. If we did not sit here and hire people solely based off of the color of your skin or who you are as a person, rather than the experience that you have and the expertise that you take to the job position, then we would have been, <laughs> then we end up in this exact situation. That's exactly what happens. So because of that, um... I'm obviously not in Arizona. I had a lot of things planned in Arizona, but we're going to have to just make the most of it. And we're supposed we're going to just cover the Iowa caucuses that actually took place. Obviously, Trump won the Iowa caucus, which means that he got the primary vote in the Republican Party. We already knew that this was going to happen. Um, the big shock was going to be if he did not win the Iowa caucus, that would be the worst off for him because that would be a, such a shocker to his campaign. Then he probably would have had to drop out. Fannie Willis would have came in, arrested him, blah, blah, blah. All that. So because of the fact that that never happened, um, he actually won the Iowa caucus. So he's very good. So this is an article from the Daily Wire. We have Trump wins Iowa caucuses. So. Uh, former President Donald Trump has won the Iowa caucuses. Trump led the fields, um, sitting at 51%, with around 90% of the vote counted on Monday night. According to Decision Desk HQ, DeSantis was sitting in second place with 21.3%, and Haley was in third at 19%. Tech entrepreneur Vivek Wamaswamy was in fourth at 7.7%. The, the race was called with an unusually low percentage of the vote counted as multiple outlets, including Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, um, NBC News and uh, the Associated Press all called the race for Trump with one le with one less than one percent of the vote counted. Now that's because of the fact that at one percent of the vote counted, Trump stood at fifty three percent. DeSantis stood at twenty percent. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley stood at seventeen point six percent, and Vivek uh, stood at six point six percent. So of course they knew that Trump was going to get around that 50% mark. You could see it throughout the whole entire campaign. You could see it throughout the whole entire time of Trump running. So there was really no need to sit here and, and um 
and actually take up more time than what was actually supposed to. That's why the, the media actually called the race before the counting was even done. Now, um, because of the fact that Trump won number one, um, the number one spot here, there's other people in the race that has recently dropped out, like Vivek Ramaswamy. He drops out and he endorses Trump. We already knew that he was going to do this. That's why um, he has never attacked Trump through the whole entire campaign of of Vivek Ramaswamy 2024. That's exactly why um, he stood there for Trump um, when he was being attacked from Fannie Willis and people like that. We're going to actually be talking about Fannie Willis because she's in the news also. But before we do, we do have this story right here. So Vivek Ramaswamy actually drops out and endorses Trump. So it has been an up and a down roller coaster ride for Vivek Ramaswamy and Trump's connection. So be because of the fact that the Iowa caucus was coming up, Vivek came out and he said, "Listen, I think that if you vote for me, we need a we need to save the country. So a vote for me is to save Donald Trump. Donald Trump may not be able to win because Fannie Willis is going to come in and try to arrest him for no reason at all. Um, so I really advise, and this is not this is not his quote. This is just a summary of exactly what he said." Um, I really advise you to vote me in and what I'll do is I'll just um, I'll make sure that Trump does not get arrested and I'll give him the presidential pardon. So um, because of the fact that he said all that, Trump said, no, no, if you if you're so pro MAGA and make America great again, then why are you even running against me? And um, Vivek stood quiet on that one. The the caucuses took place. The primary took place. And obviously Trump won. Vivek drops out. He endorses Trump. Trump likes him now. He's on his good side. So it depends on what you say on exactly which day you say it to make Trump like you or not like you. So it all depends because Vivek has been there for Trump and he makes one um, miscalculated move, I should say. And Trump and Trump just drives him over the bus with the bus and then backs him right up. So, I mean, I'm hoping that Vivek will be the VP under Trump. That would make me want to vote for Trump even more. If Vivek is not the VP, then I would say that DeSantis would my, be my second pick, and I would never vote for Nikki Haley because I think that she's just a she's just a spawn from the um the elites. She takes all donations. She's heavily invested in all military companies that produce you know um arms for the military. So she has every incentive in the world to get us into more wars. Just like if she if she was saying, oh well, we need to bomb the Middle Eastern countries right now. We need to bomb. Listen, l we need to take a calculated route. I have been standing up for you, uh, uh, not Ukraine. I've been standing up for Israel for uh, since October seventeen or eighteen, I should say. Since yeah, since the day before they were even attacked, I was standing up for Israel. So I'm not the person to sit here and say no. Uh, I'm never gonna support Israel. No, I love Israel. I would support Israel in a heartbeat. But also at the same exact time, we need to stand with America and we need to make sure that American citizens are not going to die within a miscalculated war in a war that America really does not need to get into until it's until it's actually needed for us to get into then there's no escaping it because that's not our fault we're just preserving the country of Israel so of course we can indirectly get into wars like what we're doing now donating um, nuclear arms and stuff like that we can um, give funding to the Israeli military if they need so um, but until the time has come for us to officially join the race or join the military ground I don't think that we should be sitting here saying we need to bomb countries like um, we we should not sit here and ban, um, bomb Iraq and Iran and stuff like that for no reason at all when they have nothing to do with us, America. 
at this very moment. So, of course, um, Iran and I and Iran is going to um, be funding the Houthis, which is actually bottlenecking our supply chain, which is exactly why America is stepping in because it affects the um, affects America, affects our supplies here in America, and that's exactly why the American um, military is actually stepping in and actually helping the Israeli military fight the Houthis because the Houthis is causing some terror in the Middle East, um, the the Black Sea, the Red Sea. So, with that being said, we do have some more articles from the voting time that took place. So, new, um, news media slammed for calling Iowa caucuses before voting began in many areas. So, news organizations face intense criticism on Monday night for projecting the winner of the Iowa caucuses before the voting has even began in many areas across the state. So, multiple news organizations, including the AP, Fox News, CNN, the New York Times, and more, called the race for former President Donald Trump just minutes after doors closed at caucuses, caucus locations throughout the state. Trump secured roughly half of the vote with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley, who finished second and third, respectively, splitting the remaining votes. So, uh, absolutely, quote, absolutely outrageous that the media would participate in election interference by calling the race before tens of thousands of Iowans have even gotten a chance to vote, said DeSantis campaign spokesperson Andrew Ramal, Ramalo, Remo, um, quote, the media is a think tank for Trump, and this is the most outrageous example yet. National Review senior writer Dan McLone noted that the Iowa, that Iowa is not a winner-take-all state, and so that the margins actually affect delegate allegations. Um, it's a indefensible to declare a winner in the situation before all votes are cast, he said. So I can see both sides in the situation here. Obviously, you're not going to want to say, oh, he won the primary, he won the primary, when people are still voting in the primary. So that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But at the same exact time, if we do understand some background about the um, situation here, Trump was already above 50%. So, of course, they're going to sit here and say, no, I want to be the first to report it. No, I want to be the first to report it. And they're going to report on the fact that Vivek... Um, is dropping out. They're gonna vote. They're going to um to talk about the fact that Trump is actually going to win because he already has 50% of the vote. Now, obviously, it's very very hard to say that at 1% of the vote actually casted. But even after the fact that 90% of the vote was casted, he has Trump has 53% of the vote. So even if somebody was to come a little bit higher, like maybe 40%, Trump would still have higher than 40%. So he would win the caucus. But of course, it's not that close of a race in in the Iowa caucus doesn't really matter that all that much um, at the same exact time. This is just a primary in that one state. So it's very, very, um, it's very, very challenging. It's heating up. There's, I would say, less than six months until actual election day. So things are very, very, very heated right now. It's this year. It's coming up. Um, no, I wouldn't say less than six months. I would say 11 months till actual election day. So maybe even 10 months, 10 months to 11 months. I'm not sure. My quick math is not that quickened because of the fact that it's still the morning. So my, my brain is still trying to wake up over here. That's exactly why I have my, um, Arujo Studios coffee mug. I'm drinking my coffee very, very slowly over here. So if you do want to get this for yourself instead of a stupid Stanley, then you can actually get this for a lot less than what a Stanley actually is. I shop at studios.com free shipping throughout America, and it is actually 15% off using code New Year. So on that note, this is very, very refreshing. It keeps things cold for long, and it has one of these things at the top. It's called a uh, seal. 
so you do not spill any of your stuff here. So moving into the last article we do have in the section of the Demetrius Rujo show, we have DeSantis after second place finish in Iowa. Quote, they knew they threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis declared that he had a path forward on Monday after coming in second place in the Iowa caucuses. The Republican presidential candidate noted that the, that he was a target of more political ads than any other candidate in the race by a significant margin. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us, DeSantis told supporters in West Des Moines. Um, they spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one faced that much all the way through Iowa. The media was against us. They were writing our arbitrary months ago. The governor noted that the mainstream media sends out alerts before voting has even taken place in a lot of areas declaring that Trump had won the caucus. Quote, they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting that we wouldn't be able to get our ticket um, punched here out of um, Iowa. He said, quote, but I can tell you because of your support, in spite of all of the things that they threw at us every everyone against us we've got our ticket punched out of iowa um desantis said that he would do everything he could to protect the sacred fire of liberty the americans founding fathers ignited um in thanking his supporters for their efforts desantis said quote you help us get a ticket punched out of the hawkeye state we have a lot of work to do but i can tell you this as the next president of the United States, I'm going to get the job done for the country. I'm not going to make any excuses, he concluded, and I guarantee you this. I will not let you down. Thank God and uh, thank you. God bless you. So, of course, this is exactly the approach that you need to take. But, of course, I don't think that he's actually going to win because um, he didn't. Uh, he did not win the primary. So, it's just, uh, it's just a situation happening over here because of the fact that I actually really do appreciate Ron DeSantis. I have his book. I read his book. Um, I can do a breakdown of his book. I took a lot of notes throughout his book. So if you do want me to break it down, I may release that in the next couple months. Um, I think, wait, actually, I lied to you. I have about one chapter left in his book here. So it's very, very interesting to see the history of him. It's very interesting to read his book. Um, I do recommend his book if you do want to take a look at it. Um, I really do recommend it. But at the same exact time here, I don't think that he is cut out for this race in particular because there's just so many out there's just so many things going on in this race that it's very very challenging to actually go against uh somebody like trump because trump is being so heavily attacked people are saying no well trump is attacked he helped us so we need to help him in his time of need that's what a lot of people are saying here so it's very very hard to convince them otherwise when they are very convinced to to uh help out trump here and of course um, they attack Ron DeSantis relentlessly, but there is a way that he could actually have um, have saved his campaign and it didn't have to be this way. So with that being said, we do have the next segment of the Demetrius Over Joe show, which is the headlines of the week. So let's just dig right into it. So we do have a Federalist article. We have Ron DeSantis failed spectacularly in Iowa, but it didn't have to be this way. So according to the Federalist, if DeSantis had better understood the underlining dynamics of the race, he would have never gone directly after Trump. Exactly. The results of the Iowa caucuses surprised no one. Des um, Donald Trump ran away with it. At his 28-point lead in the polls, going into Monday suggested he would. The polls were accurate this time. The most corporate media outlets called to Iowa for Trump not long after 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The former president ended up with 51% of the to total caucus votes followed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in a, in a distant 
um, in a distant second with 21%, and Nikki Haley coming in third at 19%. But the big news of the night isn't Trump's massive win. It's DeSantis' spectacular defeat. His campaign is now contrary tale about how not to go after Trump. DeSantis had every advantage before he launched his presidential bid. He was a popular governor of a large state who won re-election in a landslide in 2022, notched mayor, um, substantive policy victories. He was adept at punching back at hostile uh, corporate media, yet somehow he managed to squander all of this and flame out Iowa. Recall that last less than la a year ago, in April 2023, before he launched his campaign for president, DeSantis was rolling near 30% in, in the Hawkeye state. Given these dismal results, it's important to recall just how much time and money DeSantis spent in Iowa only to come distant in second. Okay, so I don't really appreciate this line of attack because it doesn't really matter. The money that somebody spends on advertisements does not matter at all when it comes to the race. If he would have won like Trump, you're not talking about how much Trump want, um, spent in ads because it doesn't matter because he won. So we're not going to sit here and talk about ads in any other context rather than if he would have lost. So that's why I don't really appreciate the, the oh, he spent this much in ads. It doesn't really matter how much you spend in ads. You're getting the job done. You're spending money in advertisements. Yeah, but does it, does it really matter? The only reason why it really matters is because of the fact that it's not really... It's not really making that much of a dent. That's why when he spends $35 million in Iowa and he didn't win, that's why people are saying, okay, well, uh, he spent so much money, it doesn't really matter. Okay, but the thing is, it doesn't matter how much money he spends. It, it really doesn't. And I'm not just saying this because I, I am, I'm favoriting um, Ron DeSantis over anybody else. I just would not bring that up because it doesn't really matter. He can spend however money, how much money he wants. It really doesn't matter. And I'm saying this because of the fact that so many people spend so much money every single day on advertisements. We never talk about them. But then we're going to sit here and talk about a candidate, a candidate um, spending this much money on advertisements. I don't really think that that's a fair line of attack because it doesn't really matter. Um, in addiction, I mean, in addition, DeSantis himself went all in for Iowa, crisscrossing the state and visiting all 99 counties, making countless appearances in every form imaginable. One super PAC backing his campaign said that it recruited more than 1,600 percent um, captains in Iowa over the past nine months, according to Politico. Why did DeSantis do all of this? Because his strategy to win Iowa to show GOP voters nationwide that he can take on Trump and win. As events have shown, that was a big mistake. And it fits with within a recognizable pattern in the DeSantis campaign. Every decision was about comparing himself to Trump in the most explicit and unhelpful ways. Um, ever since he announced his candidacy, um, DeSantis has been obsessed with taking on Trump, never missing an opportunity to misalign the former president or take a cheap shot, even when it was unnecessary or, frankly, irrelevant to whatever he was talking about. It was a curious approach to take on a race where all the fundamentals suggested that aggressively going after Trump would would anger the GOP um, primary voters, especially as Democrats ramped up their unconstitutional schemes to imprison Trump or, failing that, keeping him off the ballot in as many states as possible. Like it or not, many Republicans have a unique bond with Trump. It's not just because they had to endure a lot of grief for supporting him in the past, but also because they show how... Democrats in the media have weaponized entire in institutions against him in the most outrageous and dangerous ways. Even if these GOP voters are open to supporting their candidates this time around, the thing, the last thing that they would want is to hold to be told that Trump is awful when it comes off as an indictment of them in their judgment.
It's odd that DeSantis was never able to figure that out, or that no one in his orbit was able to persuade him to take a different approach. Instead, as my colleague Emily Jinsky put it on Monday, DeSantis, quote, allowed Beltway vest Fernandos in their friends in the donor class to shear his career off course with endless attacks on Trump. But, of course, DeSantis didn't need to attack Trump to make his case for the GOP nomination. He could have praised Trump's achievements and defeated him as well as the unfair attacks leveled at him by Democrats, as Vivek Wamaswamy has done and simply ignored Trump's results. At the same time, he could have instead focused on explaining and touting his own um, considerable accomplishments in Florida. Any governor running for president faces a challenge of conveying his or her proper popularity, and achievements to a national audience. But DeSantis has had a lot of work in this department, given his headlines grabbing policy wins in Florida in the recent years and his landslide um, re-election in 2022. So and I, I can see where this article is going. I completely agree here. Um, but we can also look in history and we can see that in 2016, a lot of people wanted to attack Trump and they did it too early because they just wrote him off. They thought that he was never going to win. So they just wrote off Trump and um, and they just attacked him relentlessly since the beginning. And then it looked like everybody was trying to attack Trump and make him not win. And then that's what made him win in 2016. So DeSantis didn't want to make history repeat itself by doing the same exact thing. That's what I believe here. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more motives to it. Um, but I would say that that's the main motive right there. We do have another article right here on the Federalist. We do have dishonest ballot initiative wording is another way Democrats rig elections. So a lot of the times, this is exactly what they do. Um, they actually word the ballots very, very wrong. They use this like lawyer language. And then a lot of people don't actually understand what's ac what's actually being said in the ballot. And then they say, wait a second, what is this? What does this even mean? And then they just say yes. And then they end up winning. Um, Democrats end up getting exactly what they wanted because of the fact that people are just voting for them. So um, they're just voting for these things because of the fact that they think that it's actually a good thing. But it's it's most of the time not because they're just wording it in such a way that people are just neglecting what it actually is going to do um, because it sounds good. So obviously, if it sounds if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So moving with the article right here, would you support a law protecting healthy minors from life altering in injections and imputation side effects of which may include infertility, cancer, sexual dysfunction and heart trouble? Would you support a law that makes it a crime for a doctor to give gender-affirming care to minors whose gender dysphoria places them at a high risk of suicide? And the average voter would ask for each of these questions. It's not hard to reduce that the wrong wording for question two is far more likely to garner no answers. Regardless of false assumptions, the question relies on. We see that the same reality is at work in the polling. The way that you ask someone a question greatly influences the answer. Isn't why it's why lawyers aren't allowed to lead the witnesses direct during direct examinations. Um, for example, when PBS commissioned a poll in 2021 asking about restricting gender surgeries for children, pollsters used euphoric language. Do you support or oppose legislation that would prohibit gender transition related medical care for minors? Unsurprisingly, they got 66% of the respond respondents to say oppose with only 28% admitting support. Who wouldn't want kids to get medical care, quote-unquote? Convertly, when the conservative group con Conviction of States Action asked respondents the following year, do you believe underage minors should be required to wait until they are adults to use 
puberty blockers and undergo permanent sex change procedures? And overwhelming 79% said yes. So uh, what's the difference here? Well, the difference is that one question is true. One question is false. Why would you make a false question based on the false premise that you already have? Obviously, what you do is you say, okay, what's true? What's actually good? What's actually going to result in a flourishing society? Is it is it waiting until 18? I personally do not think that you should be doing it at all. So I would rephrase the question once more, but nonetheless, let's put that aside right now. So based on these two questions, which one is closer to reality and the truth? The latter option. The former option, if you were to use that, do you believe underage minors should undergo... Okay, whoa, whoa, that was the, that was the letter option. If we go and we go back to the, the former option, then what we would do is we would say, um, do you support or oppose legislation that would prohibit gender transition-related medical care for minors? That's not a true question. The true question is the latter question. Um, there are doubtless other factors contributing to the polling discrepancy, Drew, though it's worth noting both surveys and samples included more Democrats than Republicans, but more than 50 point spread between the polls had something to do with the question langu um, yeah, language. Researchers have tested the idea that ballot language affects voters' decisions and come to the same obvious conclusion. Democrat officials and activists are aware of this too. And they use it to their advantage when writing the language voters see on their ballots. Prejudicial, partial, and inaccurate. For examples, um, for example, parental rights group Protect Kids California is suing the state's attorney general, Bob uh, Rob Barnter, for dishonestly crafting the title and summary of their proposed ballot initiative that benefit Democrats' policy per, per, preferences. The summary provided by Protect Kids California for the, its own ballot initiative says that it will repeal the California law that permits male students to complete in male sports and students to be females in locker rooms and bathrooms. Um, prohibit schools from deceiving parents about their students' gender identity cri crisis and stop them from secretly transition transitioning a child. And three, stop cha sex change operations and chemical castrations on minors. Um, I might... I might quabble with the phrase sex change since it's metaphorically impossible to change a person's sex, but overall, the summary is pretty clear. The actual test of the proposed statute is similar, with provisions like, perversions like quote, healthcare providers are not permitted to provide sex reassignment prescriptions or procedures on a parent, a patient under the age of 18 years old, any, and any sex segregated facility, including but not limited to a bathroom or a locker room on the campus of a school shall be segregated based on biological sex. Bonta took it upon her, himself to title the initiative the Restricts Rights of Transgender Youth Initiative. The summary created by his office says that the initiative is part prohibits gender-affirming care for health care for transgender patients under 18, even if parents' consent in or treatment is medically recommended. Um, medically recommended. What does that mean exactly? Medically recommended. Um, you do know that the very people that are going to quote-unquote recommend this procedure are the very people that are going to profit from this quote-unquote procedure. So why are you sitting here saying as if this is a non-biased uh, opinion from a doctor? It's not a non-biased opinion. Every single doctor that talks to you has initiatives in, in their head that they want to fulfill. They have goals to achieve. They have... Every single doctor that you talk to has goals that they need to achieve. They have things that they need to get done and they have objectives that they need you to complete for them to actually have 
done their job. Every single job has objectives. It's, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that doctors get paid directly to vaccinate you. Some of them do. But when they prescribe you the prescriptions, then that's when they make the money. And also, that's when they make their boss money. So that makes their boss money. That makes them in, in the workplace happier because they're making their boss more money. And the boss is giving them more money because then they're going to give them a raise. That's how they get paid. That's how they get paid. Okay, so now that we got this whole thing out of the way... We know now that when a quote medical, it's medically recommended for somebody to do something, that means the doctor is telling you that, oh, I really recommend you do this. But what is that science based off of? What is that research based off of? What is that recommending recommendation based off of? Nothing. It's based off of absolutely nothing but hearsay. It's based off of absolutely nothing but hearsay because of the fact that they know that if they say the truth about stuff, then and they give you natural approaches like, you know, get your mental health issues straightened out by going to a real therapist and they're going to tell you um, the real stuff. They're going to say, listen, no, you're not a girl. They're going to say this to a guy. You're not a girl. Okay. You need a therapist. You need a good therapist and you need to undergo gender. Um, you need to undergo gender um confirmation you need to go to the gym you need to enjoy go to a cigar lounge smoke a cigar go to a bar have a drink have a couple drinks okay be a guy have be have enjoyment in being a guy again hanging out with the guys okay having a party going bowling i mean that's not just a guy thing but i'm saying these things are really fun and it'll make you forget that all of this tiktok stuff the tiktok nonsense train is just absurd it's absurd. And yes, it's on every platform. There's some videos on Instagram that I see that are that are very, very bad. But at the same exact time, they're not uploading it directly on Instagram. What they're doing is they're re-uploading it on Instagram, but they are initially uploading it on Twitter. I mean, on TikTok. And it lives of TikTok retweets it on Twitter. So with that being said, um, where was I medically recommended? Okay, that's obviously not true. We just talked about it. And that it requires schools to notify parents whenever a student under 18 has to be treated as a gender differing from school's records without ex expectation for a student's safety. According to California law, the attorney's general dishonest title and summary must appear on every page of the petition. Protect Kids America is suing Bonta over his obvious attempt to preju prejudice voters and run interference against a ballot initiative. The group contends his title and summary is prejudicial, partial, and inaccurate. How to get away with making people vote for, quote, murder. Sometimes the dishonest framing is in the proposed measure itself, rather than the summary. In Ohio last year, for example, pro-abortion activists behind issue one carefully crafted in the began um, sounding amendment to cloak its drastic ramifications. Quote, every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to conception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. The amendment's text stated, brushing over the fact that this has made no expectation for minors and threw open the door to transgender surgeries for kids as a kind of reproductive decision. Furthermore, the text used a common Democrat trick to ensure the amendment would allow abortions throughout all nine months of pregnancy. It winked at allowing abortion restrictions after fatal visibility, but kneecapped any such restrictions by making exceptions. 
if in the uh, professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, it is necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life or health. It sounds nice to the voter who skims the page for the first time at the polling station on his lunch break, but it really allows any doctor to prescribe an abortion for any reasons that can be um, couched as, quote, health-related, presumably including a woman's mental health distress at being um, pregnant, defined terms control the discourse. So, language is an all-important tool. The Democrats often use it to manipulate and take advantage of the Americans who do not have hours to spend shifting through the media's lies to figure out the truth. Dishonest terms like gender-affirming care sound positive and invite sympathy, even though the procedures described by the term are neither medical care or affirming. Um, of a person's real sex, and just like the media blackouts, see Hunter Biden laptop or partnerships between election officers, um, offices and left-wing dark money groups. Deceptive ballot initiative uh, language is one of the many methods Democrats use to rig elections before the vote, the first vote is even cast. Of course, and they mean rig, as in um, actually influence people, actually influence people, influencing people to vote a certain way before they actually read the facts about the case. So with that being said, we do have the media's takes to get to. Talking about the media's takes and the mainstream media using words to confuse you, this will not. Don't trust what you see. My new series has a new episode. Click the link down below to watch it now or click the eye up at the top. Here's a trailer. The Democratic Party that we once knew is no longer living. You know the party of JFK and Franklin D. Roosevelt. Instead, it was taken over by purely progressive politicians and used to garner a social media following and sell out their positions of power for thousands of dollars. People like Joe Biden and AOC are the biggest examples of this. While selling out, these Democratic Party members that were once respected are now instead used as pawns to push a particular ideology. So there's actually a video that I saw that I find kind of interesting. Now, this is a little bit off topic than what we usually have been covering this episode, but I really find it really interesting. So there's something called EMPS. Um, now, a lot of people are say, sitting here saying, well, what if, um, what if a EMPS, um, you know, the, I don't even know how it really works, but this is what we're going to be investigating today. What actually happens in, with the EMPS is that somebody in the, in the government can send out a signal and it'll actually make every single thing that relies on technology unusable in our daily life. So... Because of this, then NASA has been NASA has been found to actually store a bunch of old-fashioned cars that do not have any electronics, and just in case that there was ever an EMP attack, um, they are ready for it. And I don't know if NASA would be the one that actually does the EMP attack, or the government does the EMP attack, or gov or aliens that they know are going to do the um, EMP attack. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of videos just like this one that people are sitting here saying, "Oh well, I'm preparing for the EMP attack. I'm preparing for it by doing this, um, stuff like that." So it's very very interesting here um, to see um, even a person like NASA doing this. So this is the video here that I actually found. So without further ado, let's just dig into it and then I'll explain it as we go. So okay, what we have here creepy. Let me know what you guys think. is we have, so, um, if you do, are watching the audio version NASA of the podcast, we, this is the NASA, this is the NASA space um, um, exploration government are, center over here. And there's a lot of cars that are just non-technology dependent. All from the 1970s, they're preparing for an EMP blast. 
What's odd is they're not just old school NASA cars. Here's a news car. They have a whole fleet from NASA vehicles, semi-trucks, ambulances. Perhaps this is where that $50 million a day budget is going. Because we all know it's certainly not getting us into space. Collectors of CGI videos and apparently old school cars. Let me know what you think they're using them for. Question everything, friends. Yeah, so I, I completely agree with this. Um, yeah, question everything, obviously. But we need to find the answers to a lot of these things, too, without just saying, oh, well, this is a question, that means it's true. No, at the same exact time, EMPs are very, very interesting to me because the government can actually go and shut all of our technology that we depend on off if they really wanted to, or aliens could do that, or another country could do that. So you never know what could happen. Um, obviously, when an EMP code actually gets sent out, the government actually gets a... Uh, signal about it and it would probably alert us on all of our cell phones it's obviously going to alert us on all the radio stations and the news stations and um, there's actually special bags you can put all of your electronics into if you do not want them to be disabled by the emp blast um but obviously a car like uh, a car that we have is not going to be protected at all it's just going to be unusable um our electric grid is going to be down our everything's going to be down because everything's dependent on electric in Wi-Fi. Even if the Wi-Fi went out, our electric would go out. So everything relies on everything. It, it's it's all an interconnected thing. So if one thing shuts down, like the Wi-Fi shuts down or the electric shuts down, our water grid would shut off, our gas lines would shut off. Every, it's just crazy. Everything would shut down. So with that being said, there's a lot of people that are preparing for the EMP blast, but there's a lot of people that... It probably will not happen. Hopefully, knock on wood, in my lifetime, maybe in the future, an EMP blast would come and then aliens would invade us and um, stuff like that. We already saw aliens invade um, a Florida mall, so I don't know if there's going to be even more alien invasions. It does um, make me a little worrisome about the situation sometimes because there's a lot of things that our government is not telling us about situations exactly like this. So it's just interesting to have somebody actually research this and see at NASA that they're actually doing stuff like this. So moving into the next article, we actually have a CNN article. We have Senate advances short-term funding extension, but challenges remaining to advert government shutdown. So the Senate voted to advance a short funding extension on Tuesday evening, a step toward uh, evading a partial government shutdown at the end of the week. So doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you know why? Because they knew about this for months. They knew that it was going to be a time that they would need to have funding for the government. They knew about this. Where was the funding for the government? Where was the funding? Why don't they get together and have a vote before they go on vacation for a whole two weeks for Christmas? Hmm? Yeah, it's just annoying to me. Because now we're sitting here saying, oh, government shutdown. Oh, it's Dutch Republicans that are doing it. You could have did this five months ago so you knew about this. You knew about it. You knew every single year at the end of the year, it's coming. You knew about it since the beginning of last year that this year we'd have to vote for the extension of our government because every single year, guess what? It expires. Whoa. Oh my God. At the end of the year, the year ends. <gasps> oh, revolutionary. So now you need to sit here and you need to make predictions about what you're going to spend our tax money on. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. So you need to have a budget every single year. Wow, that's revolutionary. So when should we plan this? January? Ah, yeah, good idea. The end of the year, the beginning of the year, at the same exact time, 
That's exactly when we should be planning for the new year. At the beginning of the year. No, 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 no. Plan for the next year at the end of the last year. Okay? Understand? Capiche? Good. Okay, so moving into the next article because I, it just makes me annoyed about the uh, budget. So, um, New York City Mayor Eric Adams rages 6.5, I mean $650,000 for legal defense amid a corruption investigation. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has raised more than a half a million dollars um, for his legal defense fund as federal investigators continue to a public corruption investigation into 2021 campaign. He told CNN on Monday, the Eric Adams Legal Defense Trust has gained large support in a short amount of time, raising more than $650,000 since it was formed just two months ago. Um, the fund is required to disclose its first round of donations to the city's Conflict of Interest Board on Tuesday. Um, city employees are allowed to set up legal defense fund to raise money to pay f for certain legal bills and expenditures connected to, with their employment, according to the guidance posted by the board. The, the, the New York City's, um, the New York Democrat Defense Fund would be required to report the names of all donors who give more than $100 during each reporting period, according to the board's guidance. The investigation into Adams is focused on campaign money, possible f favors, and influence of foreign interference, according to the officials briefed with the probe. Although he has not been accused of any wrongdoing, Adams secured private legal representation at the firm um, Wilmer Hale shortly after it was reported that his campaign was under scrutiny for, of federal investigators. CNN has reached out to Wilmer Hale and attorneys of Adams for comment. The mayor launched the Legal Defense Fund in November, weeks after his home of his chief fundraiser in his 2021 mayoral campaign was targeted and arraigned by the FBI. Uh, I'm surprised that the FBI is targeting targeting their own. I don't think Mayor Adams is actually part of their own. I don't think that he's a Republican either. I think he's like a little flip floppy. But at the same exact time, I think that he did stand up for the American people by saying you need to close the border, President Trump. And I'm not President Trump. I'm sorry, Joe, Joe Biden. You need to close the border. The border is wide open. Close it. We're getting too many immigrants over here. He gets mad at Joe Biden, and then he gets raided. This is exactly why a Democrat actually goes against the grain and goes against his own leader in the party. This is exactly what happens over here. So, moving into the next article, we have the United States. We do have a um, Daily Wire article. We have United States Navy sh seizes ships transporting um, lethal aid from Israel to Hamas um, to the Houthis. So on Tuesday, the United States Central Command confirmed that the United States Navy forces seized a sailing ship on uh, January 11th that was conducting illegal transport of advanced lethal aid from Iran to resupply the terrorist Houthi forces in Yemen. United States Navy SEALs operating from the USS L uh, Lewis B. Puller, uh, supported by helicopters and unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, executed a complex boarding of the D. Howe near the coast of Somalia in international waters of the European Arabian seizing Iranian-made ballistic missile and cruise missiles components. USCEN.com reported um, seized items include pollution, guidance, and warhead for Houthi medium-range ballistic missiles, MRBMs, and anti-ship cruise missiles, ASR. CMs, as well as air defense associated components. Initial analysis indicates that these same weapons have been employed by the Houthis to threaten and attack innocent um, mariners on international 
merchant ships transferring in the Red Sea. The direct or indirect supply, sale, or transfer of weapons to the Houthis in Yemen violates the United Nations Secretary Resolution 2216 and international law, USCENTCOM added, noting that two United States naval SEALs previously reported as lost at sea were directly involved in the, uh, this operation were conducted in an extensive search of our missing teammates. General Michael Yurik Kurilla, USCENT, COM, commander stated, The Navy sank the Dihau. Um, it is clear that the Iran, that Iran continues shipment of advanced lethal aid to the Houthis. This is yet again another example of how Iran actively sows instability throughout the region in direct violation of United States Secretary Resolution 2216 in international law. Kerala declared, We will continue to work with regional and international partners to expose and indirect um, these efforts and ultimately reestablish freedom of navigation. On Monday, the Islamic Republic of Iran launched ballistic missiles that launched near the United States con cons consulate uh, in Yerbil, um, Iraq. The Islamic Revolutionary um, Guard Corps, the IRGC, a wing of Iran's military and designated tourist organization took responsibility for the attack, saying that they were the headquarters of spies in the anti-Iranian terrorist gatherings in parts of the region. Several people were killed in the attacks, according to the ABC News article. No American casualties were reported. The attacks came after Iran has activated its proxies throughout the region to launch more than 120 attacks on the United States forces since October 17th. So yeah, it's very, very interesting here. Of course, Iran is backing the Houthis. We already knew this, but at the same exact time, um, at the same exact time, it's not it's not really good. It's not a good idea for them to be doing so because they do not want to mess with America. And I'll tell them that real quick. So um, with that being said, we do have the last final article. We do have a Federalist article. We have Taiwan's election results humili humiliate Communist China Xi Jinping. So the Democratic Progressive Party won um, decisively, affirming that most Taiwanese want to maintain Taiwan's separation from Communist China. The Taiwanese elected William Lai Xingti of the Democratic Progressive Party, DPP, as their next president, despite Beijing's threat of that voting would for Lai would lead to war. The campaign to succeed Taiwan's incumbent, President Xi Engwing, who will step down in May due to term limits, was a fierce three-way race, including Vice President Lai of DPP, Hao Yuhi of the Kuningtang KMT, and Ko Wing Ji um, from the Taiwan Par People's Party, the TPP. Beijing accesses the DPP for promote of promoting Taiwanese's independence, a red line Beijing would never tolerate. To coerce the Taiwanese to vote for the preferred KMT presidential candidate, Beijing had aggra aggressively tried to interfere in Taiwan's election, including claiming the choice of between DPP and the, key the KMT would determine war and peace. The People's Liberation Army, the PLA, applied additional pressure by showing off China's military might before and on election day. Leading up to the election, Lai and Hao were pulling almost neck to neck, probably out of the desire to help Cao's campaign. Taiwan's former president, Ma Yung-ju, 
of KMT gave Germany's the Jute Willy an interview. Um, Ma remarked that it's fertile for Taiwan to arm itself because China is too big. To resist, the United States would never send its military to help defend Taiwan. A, a reunification with mainland is acceptable because the Taiwanese should trust Xi and hope for the his um beloverance. Ma also refused to call Xi a dictator. Dictator. Yeah, because um Ma would be killed 100%. If you call a dictator a dictator, you're a dictator, Mister. You're killed. Um, uh, Ma. The feedest remarks drew widespread criticism in Taiwan. Many said that his words reflected what the KMT really planned for Taiwan and explained why Beijing preferred to see KMT victory. All three presidential candidates, including the KMT Hao, condemned Ma, declared their support to ensure Taiwan's military preparedness, and rejected blind faith in Xi. Ma's interview might have inadvertently caused would-be KMT voters to switch their votes to the DPP. Voter turnout was high, about 70%. Taiwanese responded to Beijing's intimidation um, and Ma cowardice by defendantly voting for La. He won deceptively by with more than 40% of the vote, with his opponents gener um, yeah, graciously conceded their defeat demanding the majority of Taiwan's democratic system. Implications. The DPP in the first political party governed the island in three consecutive terms since Taiwan's march to democracy in 1990s. There are important implications of the DPP's electoral victory. First, it's a sign of approval for President Xi, uh, approval of President Xi's um, governing under her leadership, the island was successfully managed its responses to the COVID-19 pandemic and won admiration and praise worldwide. Despite Beijing's relentless efforts to bully Xi and Tsai in her government by imposing diplomatic, economic, and military pressure, Tai and Taiwan have won significant international support, including a visit from the United States Speaker of House Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from California. Yeah, so I can completely see what they're seeing in this leader right here. Obviously, um, obviously, there's a lot of people that are, um, like in the in the Middle East, there's a lot of people that are up Xi Jinping's rear end because they want to be on his good side because they're scared of his bad side. They do not want to be killed. So obviously, it's always better to be anti-communist than pro-communist. And you do not want to be part of a communist regime because you get nothing. The government gets everything. So with that being said, that's actually the last that's actually the last article of um, the show today. So if you did like this episode and you do want to see more, please like and subscribe down below because I do post new episodes of the show every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for enjoying. If you did like this episode, please leave a like and subscribe down below. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for enjoying. And I hope they have a great rest of your day. Demetrius Rujo Show is copyright 2024, the Rujo Studios. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for enjoying.